Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your host, revolutionary sales coach, Alicia Barr, the creator of the Matchmaker Sales Method. If you're a solopreneur who's ready to grow your profits and impact without pain, pressure, or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. This episode is how to say no to a client when you love helping with Jennifer Eurizio. Did I say it wrong? No, you said it perfectly right. Okay. Hopefully we can edit that out or should we just restart? Just leave it in. Who cares? Okay. You are so authentic. That's all part of being authentic. Okay. Jennifer Eurizio is the founder of Soul Language, a paradigm that puts tangibility to soul so a conscious connection can be established to enable crystal clear decisions for success. Jennifer is also a master intuitive and the author of two best-selling books. Currently, she's trained over 30 practitioners worldwide in soul language. Currently, there are over 5,000 individuals all over the world connecting to their soul languages. Let's go. Welcome to the big show, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited you're here too. And for the listeners, to give some context, I met with Jennifer and our philosophies on listening to your intuition and not letting anyone tell you to do anything different, which we've been told for our entire lives. Um, they really aligned your intuition and your soul are very, very close partners. And so I had to have her come on and talk about how this affects sales too. So thank you so much for being here. I am so honored and excited. And I'm just, you know, how much fun we have. So this is going to be a good time. Yes, it is. Um, so I do want to ask something that I know we didn't talk about before the podcast, but I'm interested. Um, you say something very um, accurate in your introduction, adding tangibility to the soul, which is so intangible. Mm -hmm. What even is a soul, Jennifer? Well, soul, I'm only can tell you what I believe soul is and how that belief has crafted what I do. I believe soul is your individual piece of divinity, mm. right? And so it's that drop of the ocean. And so the soul that's in my body right now is even like a micro drop of the drop of divinity, right? Because if we were to put the energy of soul in this frame, it would explode because it's that powerful and that big. And I believe that we go through different incarnations in order to gain more information for that individual drop, that soul within the big ocean. So that big ocean of love, whatever you call that, God, mom, tree, Bob, Bob, cupcake, can really understand and experience love on a tangible level. So would you say that the soul, when we are keyed into it, that's when we feel like, oh, everything makes sense. Nothing's that big of a deal. None of it's serious. It's all going to be just fine. And you know that with certainty and you're just, uh, you're just chilling and enjoying the yeah. butterfly. Yeah. I think you're tapping into that knowledge of that oversoul, that part of you that is, that is whole and complete, never can be broken, uh, and knows that all is. It doesn't have the human judgments that we have by experience. 
So yeah, when you're in the zone, you are deeply connected and in rhythm with that, that individual within that big ocean. Yeah. Cause we are all, you know, connected and sometimes you can feel it more than others. And sometimes not so much with humans, but with animals and, um, nature, I think everybody's had that feeling where it was just like a feeling of, of brightness or unity. So anyway, you can tap into that in your business, which would be insanely powerful. I can tap into it and I can help other people tap into their own individual soul and the soul of a business. And the reason why you feel that in nature and you feel that with animals is because nature and animals don't have free will. We can choose to feel connected or not. We're always connected, but we can make that choice. That's really what free will is all about, which is a big subject. Well, and I guess that our whole lives People have been telling us to um, not choose that. <laughs> not that choose a- that, not conform to fit into the line. And we've been t- telling other humans and propelling those stories because that was to keep us in safety, right? There's safety in numbers. So if you step out of the circle, you won't be safe. Well, we don't really have to do that anymore. Right. And but we're still kind of, you know, keep perpetuating this story that to be individual, to listen to our own rhythm, to be one with who we are, it's not going to get what we want. In order to get what we want, we have to we have to conform and to fit into someone else's box. And all of my life, I've been around people who are trying to make a round box square and a square box round. And I rebelled against it. And I'm like, well, why can't we just be the box that's round? Because it's a beautiful box. Why do I have to keep trying to fit into what you think I should fit into? And now I get paid to help people realize what kind of box they are and to embrace it and to receive from being the beautiful individual that they are. I love that. And also, um, I think that like maybe then it was safety in numbers, but I think it actually really helps in an emotionally safe way to have these different boxes now. Like it's almost the opposite. Like it's unsafe to have everybody saying you need to do it this way and we need more variety and characters and perspectives and insights. Yeah. What safety is has now changed, right? We're evolving Right. So we know that we can be the individual and be the ocean all at the same time before we were just aware of the ocean and, you know, really understanding that we needed to be part of that big ocean in order to survive the, you know, the next hour. We're not we're not playing a game of I mean, sometimes we're playing a game of survival, but we now tend to treat everything, especially after the pandemic it's heightened as a game of survival. We believe everything is life and death now. Yeah. You mean like our nervous system does? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like we're constantly in fight or flight. Yeah. And our choices based on that, that feeling within our frames. Yeah. It's like, sometimes I have to slow down and, and remind myself, like, I'm not an ER surgeon and no <laughs> one is going to die. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember one of my first bosses in corporate America said to me when I was freaking about something, she said, nothing you can do could ever lose a client. 
And I was like, oh. And then she said, there's things that I can do to lose a client. And I thought, yeah, I don't want to get there. What? Right. So, but it, you know, it really helped me see like, okay, wait, what, what do I want to put into this relationship field? And this is really important with sales because we're in a relationship field with everything on this cloud, this client, client, this planet. And normally when people are having that conversation about sales, that relationship field, what they're putting into the relationship field is, oh my God, please, please like me. Oh my God, please, please, please like me. Please, please buy from me. How do I convince you, right? Because they're not listening to that intuition, that soul that says, this person's not the source for you. It's just a resource. So let's just have a conversation to see if what they're asking for and what you're asking for matches. But you have to have those conversations with a deep knowing and a belief that you're whole and complete and you're being loved, supported, and provided for. Because if you don't have that belief, then that sales conversation, again, is heightened with, oh my God, please, 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 please like me. And please, please buy what I want because I'm worried about the rent. Right? Yeah. That, that um, we call it commission breath. <laughs> and uh also like you know some people might what you're talking about they might also know know as living in a place of fear and scarcity yeah uh so if you aren't like feeling like i'm fine no matter what which is that feeling connected to soul then <clears throat> you're gonna have the experience that you're just men- mentioning yes. um And I know you work with a lot of spiritual workers and like people who love helping. And those people are notoriously bad at not listening to their solar intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They, they, they're teaching mostly of this stuff and they're teaching about consciousness and they're teaching about connectedness. And then when they get into their own business, everything goes out the window. Right. And because they have this drive to be of service, they're not understanding that they're, they're part of the service agreement. So they put themselves in these traps of wanting to serve everyone and ignoring the red flags of a potential client or a client they're actually involved with that isn't really good for them. You know, I remember the moment that I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. This woman was just getting ready to like blame me for her not moving forward or evolving. And I went, okay, I don't think I can help you. And I'm going to return all of your money, even though we've already done half the program, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to return it all. And she goes, what? I'm like, I'm not the girl for you. I'm going to return all your money. I wish you the best of luck, but I don't think I can support you. She's like, oh, and I returned it within two hours, the money. And I remember how freeing that was because I knew I wasn't going to sacrifice who I am in order to help anyone. And I think so often Master healers, coaches, spiritual-led entrepreneurs spend a lot of time not in service. They spend a lot of time in servitude. And I have a really, really easy cheat about how to choose your clients. Want to hear it? Of course I do. So, you know the Peanuts characters? Yes. 
Okay. Not really, really well, but I do know them. Okay. So you could do this with anything uh, that you have a love for. So I had a client who did it with Broadway show tunes. You could do it with fruits or vegetables, but Mm -hmm. I do it with Peanuts characters. So my client, my ideal client is Linus and Sally, right? For Peanuts. So I just tune in and I go, okay, soul, divinity, intuition, what type of energy is this client? And if it's not a Linus or Sally, I'm totally present in the conversation, but I don't move into a sales conversation because I know that they're not my ideal client and it's actually going to be more trouble than it's worth the money. Now, in my earlier days, I used to say yes to Lucy's. Lucy always pulls the football from Charlie Brown, right? It's just a matter of time before she sets you up and says, no, 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 not this time. And then yank, it's gone. And I used to pull to, to, you know, take on the Lucy's because I wanted to be of service. I really could see the potential. I could see where they wanted to go. But Lucy's not actually interested in transforming her life at all. And Lucy kind of has a little bit of a know-it-all attitude. So remember the client I was talking about where I fired them? She -hmm. was my last Lucy. So you could set that client kind of cheat sheet any way you want. But when you're, you tune in and you just ask the question, you have a lot of freedom because then you have a deeper sense of, okay, this is not my person. Let the bus come by and drop off another person. And you're not filling your roster, your table with individuals that aren't serving you or the business and are actually costing you money. And actually, you're not going to be in integrity with your sales conversation if you keep having sales conversations with a client that's not your ideal client. Yeah. And I mean, I talk about this a lot. Because it can be really hard to know this lesson at first. You think some money is better than no money, but it's not. No, it's not. It costs you way more money. You don't have the emotional energy and space for the good clients because you're so drained by these uh, bad fit clients. And um, it sounds like your ability to categorize them is helping you identify them better. Yeah. And now I don't even have to ask the question anymore. I just know instantly. Right. So now it's just so like, and sometimes I, and sometimes I'm honest, sometimes I play with it. Recently I was engaging in a conversation with someone who was like ready to give me her credit card. And I, and I was like, oh, she's a Lucy. I know she's a Lucy. What am I doing? (laughs) Right. And then she's like, okay, so we set up the time. We, she's like, I'll call you tomorrow for my credit card. And I'm like, okay. And I get an email. Okay. It's not like I'm backing out, but I, I promised myself. And so can we extend it? And I'm like, call me when you're ready. Crickets, right? Yeah. I just saved myself heartache. I just saved myself a problem child and a client because there's nothing I'm going to be able to offer her that she's going to expand because she's not ready. And I think part of the sales conversation for me is knowing when that person is ready for you, like really ready to do the work or ready to put the effort in or ready to keep up their end of the bargain. Well, and 
this can be so much harder in when you're like selling something intangible. So how are they ready for the intangible work? And of course you can make the intangible work tangible, but sometimes it's not so easy as like asking questions that are going to uncover that. And it's really just about, you know, what they're saying in so many words. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. So I, I never take on a client that uses these words. I am, I am so intuitive that just like that. I am so intuitive. Great. I'm a master intuitive. I never say I'm so intuitive. I don't have to proclaim it. Right. It's that it's, they think that their intuition makes them special, which tells me that they believe that there's a lot of pride there, a lot of uh, not enough that's not going to shift. It's a cheat. So you have to come up with your good cheat words and the ones that go, yes, this is the client, this is the client, this is the client, right? So my clients, I say, my client's a spiritual renegade and my client will go, yep, that's me. I don't even have to define it. Or I'll say, my clients have warrior energy and the client goes, oh my God, yeah, like, uh, that's me. I don't have to define it, right? It's an energetic exchange. It's a knowing. And because I do such deep soul work, I'm like liquid nitrogen, right? Right. I want that connection on something that is way beyond what is visually present. Yeah. And, you know, I've been diving more into like vibe you know, what, what makes up someone's vibe. And it's a, it's a, a nice combination of things. Like it's their, the, the uh, tone of their voice. It's the expressions, the micro expressions, the body language, um, and the words that they choose. And then I guess something even deeper than that, that's like energy related, that's giving off the vibe. And I think people pick up on vibes all the time, but our whole lives We've been told you're reading into things. Don't be emotional. (laughs) Don't be emotional. That's a good one. Or give them the benefit of the doubt. Oh my God. That one is like, that is like my kryptonite of sayings, right? For years, I'd be like, I have warrior energy. I'm being too hard on them. I should just loosen up and give them the benefit of the doubt. And before I know it, I'm like on the couch crying and going, oh, my God, my first gut instinct was totally right. What am I doing? Right. You have to learn to kind of hone that and understand what your body, what your gut, what your intuition is is telling you. And the way you only are able to do that is understanding your database and understanding how your soul, your intuition is talking to you. That's why I love soul language, because we give you a structure to have that conversation. And so often people don't even understand their own database because they want it to look like something else. I get Star Trek references. I love Star Trek. I'm teaching a whole course about transformation through Star Trek characters, right? So when I get a Star Trek reference, I'm not going to tell that to the, well, unless they're Trekkie, I'm not going to tell that to the client. I'm going to translate it and explain it because it's a metaphor for me, right? I think so often we're getting so much information from our soul, but we're discounting it because we want it to sound like something else or be something else. 
Okay. So what you're saying is that like all of a sudden you'll think of a Star Trek quote, like it'll come to you. And that's your soul. What one part of your soul language is Star Trek quotes. Right. So it's more of a image. I'm trying to, okay. So one of the things I often do with clients is when they want to talk about something, but they really, they're, they're either ashamed of it or they don't want it to go further than us energetically. I go, Mm -hmm. let's step onto the holodeck because it's going to stay there and we can leave it there and let it kind of disintegrate Mm -hmm. there. Right. Um, A couple weeks ago, I got this image. I got the image of those. I I think they're called trebles or something. They're those little things that eat the the wheat and then they grow. Right. And they keep growing. And I'm like, I'm getting this image from Star Trek of all the trebles that just eat, eat, eat and grow, grow, grow. I'm like, so where in your life are you feeling like someone is just sucking you dry of energy? And the woman's like, oh. And we went through all of them and then we worked with our soul to release the beliefs that were keeping those energies bound, right? So, you know, I'll get those references and then I'll get references that I don't know what it means. Like um, one time I got this word in Russian. I'm like, okay, I don't know what this means. I'm just going to say this word. And one's like, oh, I totally know what it means because my grandmother was Russian and here it is. I was like, oh, Okay. Right. But it's it's really understanding how your soul is speaking to you, you know, and who your soul is. So one of my soul languages is called the graceful warrior. It's it's all about movement, action, courage and grace. That's when I'm conscious. When I'm not, I'm at war with everything. I've crashed cars because I was Mm. at. Right. So Mm -hmm. often that energy is very direct, very Mm -hmm. like boom. So I'm never going to have a client who needs all of the flowery language because we're not going to sync up, right? Right. Knowing like, and and it being okay, because I think that for spiritual workers, like they feel bad a lot for not being able to help someone. Like they feel bad because I think they feel obligated to make the world a better place. And they feel bad because they think that it says something about their talent and skill and capability. And they feel bad that um, maybe they don't even like this person. And that's not right. You can't not like people if you're a spiritual and and definitely. The list goes on. Yeah. And I love that. Um, Can I curse? Yeah. I was about to say, fuck that. Okay. So, um, so I think to be really conscious, you have to know that you're whole and complete and treat everyone like they're whole and complete. That doesn't mean that you have to like them. That doesn't mean that you have to do something that's self-sacrificing. That doesn't mean that you have to basically destroy yourself or give up what you want in order to help people because you're not. You're actually condoling bad behavior. You're actually being sympathetic. And the way I remember this is sympathy is in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. Right? <laughs> Nobody wants that, right? You you have to be compassionate first for yourself and then for others. It always starts at home. So if you are sacrificing your own wants, needs, and desires in order to help someone, what you're actually doing is condoning bad behavior. And that's actually not going to help anyone, including you. 
That's true. It's going to make that person, it's not going to help that person. It's going to perpetuate that person. And then this really rings true because I just fired a nightmare client and it was very difficult. But what it came down to was like, this cannot be at me and my family's expense anymore. Right. And like my friend actually told me, you know, you, you are picking this client over your children. And it made it very clear. (laughs) So I think a lot of times we can sacrifice ourselves very easily. Like, oh, like it's just me. But then when it's like sacrificing people you love in your life, I find that that makes it a very clear and easy decision. Yes. And we want to get to this decision way before we're even at that point where we're doing right, doing that self-sacrificing. And I think that so many people that want to help others believe that, well, there's a bunch of reasons. Once, sorry, my dog is barking in her sleep. Um, They grow up in, usually in a family of origin where they are the helper. They are the ones that are the glue of the family, right? Um, Yeah. And so it's a way of receiving and getting love. So they don't Mm -hmm. understand that the first thing you need to do is love yourself first. And when we put ourselves in that kind of situation, what we're really doing is we're being the martyr and we're allowing Mm -hmm. people to be the victim and nothing Mm -hmm. gets solved in the world with those two energies. Yeah. There are a lot of people who, who love to be the martyr. Um, It's like a, a, almost like a source of pride. Yeah or something. Um, so I think that that's a really good distinction for people who, um, want to help everyone that like self-sacrificing is not helping. No, it's not helping. And, and, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase Louise Hay, you know, Louise Hay, who created a empire on helping people said, I just wanted to create a little book to help myself. And I'm not doing anything. People are doing it themselves. So when we're in that over-servicing, we believe that those individuals can't help themselves. And you know what? No matter how hard you try, you cannot do it for them unless you figure out how to possess their body. Yeah, which is to be a whole neat trick. And I would like to see that happen if it happens. Like, call me because I want to like see how that works. Right. (laughs) But you can't want more for anyone's journey than they want for themselves. Right. And really, I I always talk to clients about the rules of, I call it the rules of Jen, but it would be the rule of them. Right. What are your rules? Like for me, based on my soul languages, because I'm a teacher of integrity, words and actions have to measure up. So if, if I notice during a conversation with a client, their words and actions aren't measuring up or a prospective client, they're not for me because that's going to yeah. drive me up the wall. It's going to actually make me feel like I'm itching inside. I'm actually the same way. Right? Um, okay. Well, I think that's a great stopping point for us. And we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. Jennifer, this was amazing talking about soul languages and how it relates to business and clients and sales. And if you guys want to understand your soul language and what it's saying and how it's saying it, please go check out Jennifer. Jennifer, where can they find you? 
sewlanguage.us. I really strongly suggest that you look under discovery session, secure discovery session where one of your languages will be identified. There's no agenda. You'll walk away with tangible tools to put consciousness in everything you do. And consciousness means clarity, you guys. There's no more, once you're tapped into that, there's no more, oh, what should I do? Should I do this? Is this this the right move? Is it not? Oh, I don't know. And I don't want to be wrong. So definitely go check out Jennifer. And this has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast, where we show you how to convert up to 80% of your sales meetings without pressure, pitching, or pretending to be someone else. And if there's something in your sales process holding you back and you don't know what it is, please sign up for a sales quick fix call where I identify the top three things you can change to improve your sales. Jennifer, thank you so much. Thank you. And I'll see everybody next time.